Well, guys, we have been on a journey on the podcast this season on journeying through what I am calling the Apostles Doctrine. And I am going to jump right in because I have a whole lot to dump on you guys and walk you guys through that I think is going to be life changing today. Also, though, I want to give you a reminder. This is the last week for you to sign up for my webinar this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday, I am doing a webinar for $39 and is going to be about how to find your calling. You do not want to miss this webinar because I'm going to do it unlike I do my podcast. I'm going to take you guys to school and we're going to learn. You're going to have material. You're going to have homework to walk away with and you're going to walk away with something that I have been working on to help you locate and identify your calling. You do not want to miss this class. So be sure to go to findyourcall.com rickywatsonjr.com to sign up for the class. Again, that is findyourcall.rickywatsonjr.com. So do that. Don't miss out. Now, to my teaching for today. We have been journeying through the 19 mysteries that make up the Apostles' Doctrine. And the reason how, or, or how we got to that, rather, is in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Bible says that they began to grow the church and they began to expand the church and advance the kingdom by becoming resolved about the Apostles' Doctrine. And then the Bible says over in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 4, that part of the Apostles' mantle and the Apostles' responsibility was that they were stewards or managers of the mysteries of God. They were stewards over the mysteries of God. And so when you journey through the New Testament, you find that there are 19 identified mysteries. They are identified in the scripture. They are told to the church by the mouths of the apostles and the prophets. And these are the mysteries that they stewarded, that they managed. And the Bible says that as they begin to proclaim these mysteries, manage these mysteries for the body of Christ, the church grew, the church was strengthened, and the church became as strong and as powerful as it was in the book of Acts. So I want us to begin to get a handle on these mysteries, and I want you to take what you get from these episodes and do further study throughout the week, because I'm just giving you almost like a skeleton outline of the mystery, but you can delve into it and go deeper into it and get greater revelation from it. I just am here to help turn the light on. And so I want to deal with another mystery today, and it is the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ. Over in the book of Colossians, chapter 4. If you go over to the book of Colossians, chapter 4, uh, and let's start with verse 2. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ. For which I am in prison so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. The powerful thing about the mystery of Christ is that when you begin to track this mystery through the scriptures, you're going to find that a synonym that is used for the mystery of Christ is that the apostle Paul calls it his gospel. It is Paul's revelation. It is Paul's gospel. He took that thing personally. It was a part of Paul's apostolic mission was to reveal to the Gentiles the mystery of Christ, the the mystery of Christ. And so every time you begin to study and you begin 
begin to break apart all of the doctrine and the teachings of Paul, you're going to always find yourself bumping into the mystery of Christ. I want to help us understand that mystery. Um, when you begin to look in the scriptures and you begin to look at the word Christ, a lot of uh, misconceptions are, are out there about that term. And I want to help try to clarify that. Number one, Christ is not Jesus's last name. Jesus was not born into the Christ family. <laughs> that is not what his last name was. That was not Jesus's surname. In other words, Jesus was his name. And, but his last name was not Christ. Jesus didn't walk the planet and they said, Oh, Jesus Christ is coming for dinner. Oh, Jesus Christ is, you know, he's the son of Joseph Christ or Mary Christ. That's not how that happened. But the word Christ was an office. The word Christ identifies an office. It's almost like saying Jesus the apostle or Jesus the teacher or Jesus the elder. But this, but this title was Jesus the Christ. If you track through the Old Testament, you're going to find that Christ is rooted in the Jews' religion, that they termed this, this, uh, term because the prophets begin to prophesy about an anointed one, because that's all the word Christ or the word in Hebrew, Messiah means. It means God's anointed one. They were waiting on an anointed one to come to the planet and when pay, please pay attention to this point. They were looking for a Messiah, for a Christ who was going to be a man. See, that is that is a part of the mystery of this, is that part of the prophecy was that this Christ, this Messiah would be a man, not God. It would be a man, which is why God had to get inside of a human body, because unless God got inside of a human body and became man, he could not be the Messiah or he could not be the Christ. So part of the mystery of Christ is that God found a way to reduce himself down to man's level because the Messiah, the Christ, had to be a man. So while the Jews were looking for a man, Jesus came as the God-man, but he had to be man. He had to get in a human body because it was a part of the prophetic destiny of the Messiah and the Christ to be a man. But when you track through this, this is the anointed one coming to deliver Israel, coming to rescue Israel out of being intertwined and intermingled and being ruled and oppressed by other gods and being oppressed by other nations. So the, the role and the office of Christ is, is identified in three different ways. OK, the office of Christ. The office of the Christ was one who was to be a prophet like Moses, a priest like Melchizedek, and a king like David. All right, say that to you again. The Christ was to be a prophet like Moses, a priest like Melchizedek, and a king like David. So that's why when you see the prophecies about a prophet like Moses, we're talking about the office of the Christ. When you talk about the priesthood and being a priest like after Melchizedek in the book of Genesis, we're looking at the office of the Christ. When we look at David and the promises God prophesied to David to establish his throne forever and to make sure his seed sat on the throne and ruled forever and to extend his scepter in the 
kingdom. All of those are identifying and talking about the office or the role of the Christ. So watch this. I'm going to pull this together for you make so that you can begin to understand the power and the beauty of the mystery of Christ. Number one, the office of Christ had to be a prophet like Moses. And remember, God said, hey, if there's a prophet among you, I will speak to him in a dream and in a vision because prophets are rebel to their their lives. Watch this. Something about the office of the prophet is that their life, their entire being becomes a broadcast channel from heaven to earth, from eternity to time. From the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of man. It, it is, it is a broadcast channel. Your, for a prophet, your entire life is, is supposed to be set up in a way for God to communicate through you. And so that's why you can be, if you're a prophet of God, then your life is a communication channel for God. If you are a prophet of Baal, your life is a communication for Baal. Whatever God you submit to as a prophet, that is becoming the channel you work for. You are the channel of the God you work for. As a prophet, you are the channel, which is different from the gift of prophecy, different from the spirit of prophecy, because somebody that has the gift or that grace or that anointing, then your your ministry, your prophetic ministry is the channel. But the prophet is the channel. Now, the Bible says that uh, if there's a prophet among you, I'll speak to him in dreams and in visions. But Moses, I talk to face to face and I have direct face to face contact, communion with him. Moses was able to encounter God in the cleft of the rock. He saw the backside of God. He encountered the goodness of God. He experienced the glory of God. And the Bible says that part of Moses' Moses's assignment was to deliver a people out of Egypt and preserve them in, in the wilderness. So part of the assignment of the Christ was to deliver a people out of Egypt, to deliver a people from their oppressors, to deliver people out of captivity, uh, or to rescue people from foreign gods. That is a part of the assignment of the Christ was that he had come as a prophet to rescue you from your foreign gods. He had come to rescue. Yes, he came from the heart of the father. We learned last week, but the Christ came to do the rescuing. That's why Moses said there's a prophet coming that's going to be just like me. He's coming to rescue you out of your captivity. So why did Jesus have to get on the cross? Why did Jesus have to shed his blood? Why did Jesus need? to wear the crown because he came and died on the cross because he was trying to rescue you from the gods you have surrendered your life to. It is the mystery of the Christ. It is why we have justification. It is why God uh, sent Jesus and Jesus took his blood into the heavenlies and offered it to God as a sacrifice, not because Jesus wanted to be uh, something religious and just to create a new religion. No, Jesus was doing this, fulfilling his role as the the Christ fulfilling his role as a prophet that was rescuing people from the captivity of their oppressors, from the captivity of every demonic force that had blinded you, that had bound you, that had held you down, that had alienated you, that had kept you in darkness. The Christ was coming to rescue you. And not only was the Christ rescuing you as a prophet, he was preserving you as a prophet because a part of the prophet's mantle and ministry 
ministry is rescuing or deliverance and preservation. He, the prophet preserved them in the wilderness. So Jesus is saying, Hey, what is, what is rescuing? Rescuing is when he saved you. It is when he justified you. He was doing that, fulfilling his role as Christ. But preservation is sanctification. He wants to sanctify you and him sanctifying you, consecrating you is him preserving you in the wilderness. <laughs> that is why he's saying, hey, be ye holy as I am holy. Be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. Separate yourself. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Why is he doing this? Is because he is fulfilling his role as the Christ. Part of his role as the Christ is to be a prophet that rescues and a prophet that preserves, a prophet that justifies, and a prophet that sanctifies. It was part of his role. Number two, he was supposed to be a priest. Part of the role of the Christ was to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now watch this. Watch the order. The priesthood was meant to be a mediator. They were mediators and priests were also responsible for the health of of the community. They were the, the ones that regulated, uh, illnesses, medical diseases, making sure that certain things were quarantined the way it was supposed to be. But, but why did God connect Jesus's priesthood to Melchizedek is because not only, uh, was, uh, the priest responsible for the, the medical condition of a society, but Melchizedek was a mediator between Abraham and God and God to Abraham because Abraham had a relationship with God, but Melchizedek said, I'm bringing you the bread and the wine. I'm bringing you the word and the spirit. That was a part of the assignment that, that, uh, Melchizedek was doing for Father Abraham. So part of the assignment as a priest that Christ was supposed to fulfill was that I'm coming to bring the bread and the wine. I'm coming to bring a marriage between the word and the spirit, which is why Jesus sets up in the new covenant what we call communion. He was fulfilling his priestly role. He was fulfilling his role as the Christ of mediation. I am the peace offering between man and God. That's what his role was as a priest. I am the peace offering between man and God to ensure that you never lose a battle when you have God on your side. Abraham had been fighting wars. Abraham had been in battle and he had gained the victory. And as a result of victory, he encountered Melchizedek. And what happened was he offered to Melchizedek a tithe. And, and then Melchizedek offered him bread and wine as a symbol, as a sign that there is peace between between you and God. That is why you win wars. You don't win wars because you're talented. You don't win wars because you are gifted. You don't win wars because you just happen to look up. No, you win wars because there is peace between you and God. And so my role as a priest, as as in, in the office of the Christ is what Jesus was doing, was to be the peace offering. He was the peace offering. He was the peace mediator between mankind and God. And number three, he was to be a king like David. He was to rule. He was to reign. And the Bible says that it was the kings that went to war. It was the kings that were responsible for advancing the kingdom. And so why did the Jews miss 
the real Messiah and the Christ coming the first time because they were looking at Rome instead of looking at the fact that the Messiah was coming and the Christ was coming to fulfill a role to make you free from the inside out. From the inside out. Yes, Jesus is ruling. Yes, Jesus is reigning. Yes, Jesus is advancing. Yes, he has gone to war and our warfare is accomplished. But the way Jesus wins wars is he doesn't win it externally first. He starts on the inside and he works from the inside out. And the more liberated he can get your heart and the more liberated he can get your mind and the more yielded he can get the members of your body, the more he will advance his external rule in the earth. So my friends, the mystery of Christ is beautiful. It is breathtaking. It is marvelous. But the mystery is about that God got inside of a human body and became the prophet that Moses prophesied about, became the priest after the order of Melchizedek and became a king like David. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the ruler of the kingdoms of men and he is the media, the broadcast channel between heaven and earth. If I want to know what God thinks about me, I need to look at Jesus, who is the Christ. If I want to know how God feels about me, I need to look at Jesus, who is the Christ. If I want to know if God is mad with me and if God is at peace with me, I need to look at Jesus, who is the Christ. And if I want to know how to rule and reign on the earth, how to reign in righteousness, how to advance the kingdom of God, and how to make sure that I protect the fact that my warfare is accomplished, According to the book of Isaiah, I've got to look at King Jesus, who is fulfilling the role of the Christ. Well, guys, I am out of time this week, and I hope that I have enlightened you somewhat about the office of the Christ and the mystery of the Christ. Rejoice in your salvation. Rejoice in what Jesus has done for you and begin to explore it even more and realize that Jesus is the prophet that God said would come. Jesus is the priest that we all needed, and Jesus is the king that we all must bow our knee to. So guys, don't forget to go to findyourcall.rickywatsonjr.com to sign up for my webinar this weekend so that you can be a part of the class and learning how to find your calling and identifying it so that you can pursue your purpose, your destiny, the whole original intent you were sent to the planet. So you want to be a part of that. Share this episode. Thank you guys for sharing this podcast. It is changing lives because the power of the word is the power of transformation. So guys, I see you guys next week. Same time, same place. God bless. 